0: All right. Such a great job. If that doesn't bring like joy to your heart, man, I love seeing these kiddos up here. Uh, My name is Ryan Brown, and so I serve as uh, one of the pastors on staff, and uh, my new role is the ministries pastor. And so that means that I get to uh, oversee our kids ministry, our student ministry, our adult ministries and um, all of our age ministries. And I'm really excited about this new role. And today I get to do something really exciting. This little one right here, I get to introduce her to you. So come on over here with me, sweetie. This is my daughter, Evie, and she is seven years old. I think she's just amazing. She's smart. Um, She's funny. And she's beautiful, just like her mama. And this morning, um, just like we've done the past couple of weeks, we're going to open up this huge present behind us. Okay, so each week we have been unwrapping Christmas just a little bit more. And today we get to unwrap joy together. So you ready to do this? All right. Let's head over here. If you want to get on this side, I'll throw this out of the way. All right. All right. Let's dig in. Man, you are good at that. All right. Will you give it up for Evie, please, Sweetie so can go over there and sit with, with Mommy. Um, as always, anytime I get to uh, fill this pulpit, I just count it uh, um, an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you to open up God's Word. And so again today, I find it so humbling to do that. Um, before we jump in, would you bow your head in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, God. We lift you high, so high this morning, and we give you great thanks for who you are. We give you great thanks for your son, Jesus, and he is the source of all of our joy. And this morning, as we unpack your truth, as we open up your word, may it speak in such mighty ways that we are changed As always, I pray that our affections for your son Jesus would either begin today or would grow in mighty ways. So reveal yourself to us. We give you free reign. We ask that your Holy Spirit would move. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so Christmas is nine days away. Now, for some of you, you're like, man, I got all my shopping done. It's been done for a long time. Other fathers in here are like, I've got eight more days, man. So, But... Um, I was chatting with Evie and have been chatting with Evie and asking her as a seven-year-old what she really wants for Christmas. And her number one thing is something called a Hatchimal. If you're like me, you have no idea what that means. But that's okay because of my wonderful wife, I'm sure she's going to take care of it. Um, it'll be great. But when I was Evie's age, in fact, I was eight years old, it was December of 1990. All right, so journey back with me um, to when I woke up that morning and my brother and my sister and I, we got one of my most favorite gifts of all as a child. Now, you heard these guys over here talking about PlayStation 4 and they got all kinds of stuff like Xbox 360 and 800 and 1,562, like all these different things that I'm not really sure what they mean. But in 1990, the very best gaming system came out, Super Nintendo. All right. If you don't know what that is, let me explain it to you. All right. Super Nintendo was state of the art. All right. Nintendo just had a couple buttons. Super Nintendo had like twice as many buttons on its controller. All right. Super Nintendo, the graphics, amazing. Amazing, right? Yeah, you know it. And then finally, the reason I think it's the best gaming system is because of the games. Some of the games in Super Nintendo were awesome. All right. So now Nintendo, it had Contra. It had Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Zelda went across all the gaming systems, but as you saw up there, the best game ever is Super Mario World. All right, anybody Super Mario World? Yeah, okay. Super Mario World, I mean, it's, it's just one of a kind. Took so long to beat, but I remember opening up that gift, and immediately the happiness within my soul was just, it was lit on fire. I thought, There is nothing better. This is going to be awesome for decades to come. And then guess what happened? Beat the game. You know what I mean? You beat the game. You beat Super Mario World. And that happiness that I had felt, it was kind of just left with emptiness. Left with a sense of emptiness. This morning, I'm sure that many of you have come in And they have experienced these two emotions. You've experienced the emotional high of of happiness, but you've also probably experienced the emotional low of emptiness. Maybe for you, you're really happy. You know, you've got a new job, you've got a promotion, maybe you're looking at getting a new house. Maybe for you, if you're a student, um, you've made the ball team for the first time, or you have gotten the play or the part in the play. That you wanted. Maybe for some of you, you've entered into this new dating relationship, and the happiness is overflowing. But I know that there are people in this room too that emptiness is really all that you're kind of feeling right now. You don't know where you're gonna live here soon. The relationship that's been crucial to you has just ended. Maybe you didn't make the ball team, maybe you didn't get the role in that play. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are people in this worship center that are going to be experiencing Christmas for the first time without a special loved one. While I certainly would never want to minimize the feelings or the emotions that we have and and that we've all experienced in our lives, I do want to pose a few questions to you this morning. What if there is something so much better than happiness? What if there is something that brings comfort during the hardest times in our life? And what if there is something that we can experience every day that brings purpose and that brings fulfillment? Well, there is, and it's called joy. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up with me. Maybe you've got your smartphone or your tablet. I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 8. I'll be reading from the ESV translation this morning. But while you're flipping there, I want to do a couple things. First, I want to recap where we've been the last few weeks as we have unwrapped Christmas. Our lead pastor, Larry Riley, two weeks ago, he started off this series by unwrapping hope and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And then last week, he unwrapped peace, the peace that we have with God and the peace that we have from God. If you weren't able to be here for those, I would encourage you just to check them out online. I think they would be very helpful for you. But in addition to that, I want to set the stage for for you for where we are in Luke chapter two. It's always important for us to understand context when we look in the Bible and to see really what's happening. So in the first couple chapters, or the first chapter and the first seven verses of chapter two, we find that the archangel Gabriel has appeared to a man named Zechariah. And Zechariah is told by the angel that he is to name or to have a son and he's gonna name him John. Then Zechariah, he, he becomes mute. He's not able to speak. But then his wife, Elizabeth, in her old age, gives birth to a baby. She names him John. This man becomes John the Baptist. From there, Gabriel is also sent to Mary. And we know Mary. Mary. Mary's betrothed to Joseph. Um, The angel tells Mary that she's going to give birth to a son also, even though she's a virgin. And she is to name this boy, Jesus, who will become son of the Most High. Chapter two, the first seven verses, Mary and Joseph, they travel to the city of Bethlehem where they're to register for a census there. And because there is no room in the inn, Mary gives birth to Jesus and lays him in a manger. With all that as our backdrop this morning, I want to uh, read for us Luke chapter two, beginning in verse eight. The word of the Lord says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This morning, I want to unwrap the gift of joy. And in order to do that, I think we could look at verse 10 And really see what this joy looks like. So I want to reread for you verse 10. And as I'm reading through that, I want you to pick up on a, a couple of really important words. So let's read it. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. In this verse, we read about this great joy. And it's important for us to understand that joy is found in the good news. And in order to then understand and unpack joy, we must know what good news is. And I just love Scripture. I'm sure you do too. When we're looking for answers, God provides them in Scripture right next to those passages that we're reading. So the answer for what good news is, is found in verse 11. Let me reread that one more time for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord was Christ the Lord. This verse explains what the good news is. And we call that the gospel. We call that the gospel. In the original text, this is written in Greek. The word good news means gospel. And what the gospel is, is Jesus being sent here, as we read, living a perfect life, having a wonderful ministry, dying on the cross for us, and then being raised to life again. This is the gospel, Okay. And we must understand this if we're to ever understand joy. Okay, in fact, anything that pretends to be joy that is not rooted in the gospel is not joy. Let me say that one more time because I want you to let that sink in. Anything that pretends to be joy that is not rooted in the gospel is not joy. Okay, with that, All of us being on the same starting point then, I want to jump back to verse 10 and then unpack for you a few things, unwrap a few things in what gospel joy is. So first of all, gospel joy is conquering. Gospel joy is conquering. Look with me at the first response of the shepherds when the angel brings gospel joy to them. It says that they were filled with great fear says that they're filled with great fear. And then the angel responds and says, fear not. So I would suggest that gospel joy conquers fear. Gospel joy casts out fear. Gospel joy removes fear. Now there are two different types of fear that we read about all throughout the Bible. And I wanna kind of distinguish those two things. The first kind of fear is a healthy one. The second one is an unhealthy kind of fear. The first one I would refer to as a reverent fear fear, a reverent fear. This is a respectful fear. This is a healthy fear. This is a fear that's awe-inspiring to you. This is the kind of fear that we're supposed to have for the Lord. We read about this all throughout Scripture, but I want to give you a couple of examples maybe to write down. One of them is found in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's a reverent, healthy, a good fear just over in chapter 9, verse 10 of Proverbs, it also says, says it again that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is good. But the kind of fear that we're reading about here that the shepherds have, that the angel says fear not, is more like the second kind of fear, which isn't so good. And I would call this a paralyzing fear. A paralyzing fear. This is when we get timid when we're afraid for no real reason. And the Bible's clear on this too, that we're not to have this kind of fear. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse seven, it tells us among many other places in the Bible, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let me give you a, an earthly example to understand the distinction between these two. So you've got kids, you're gonna understand this very well. You walk out of a grocery store or Target or Walmart, and the first thing you do is you hit the street. And what do you immediately do? Well, I've got a son. His name is Roman. He's three, and he likes to run everywhere all the time. So immediately I go, Roman, hang on, man. Hold my hand. You know, we're getting ready to walk out into the street. All right? I want him to have a reverent fear. I want him to have a healthy fear for running out into the street. It's important for him. Unfortunately, though, most kids, if they don't have a healthy fear, what they do is, is they run out into the street and then they have a paralyzing fear. They see the cars coming and they just stand there and they have no idea what to do. This morning, I I guarantee you, and I know that there are many of you who are struggling with some sort of paralyzing fear in your life. You don't know what to do. If you are afraid of what tomorrow might bring, and I encourage you to cast out that fear in the name of Jesus and receive gospel joy. If you are fearful that what you've done in the past will negatively affect or impact your future, then receive the assurance that gospel joy offers in your life. If paralyzing fear is keeping you from entering into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, then allow the conquering power of gospel joy to wash over you. You see, gospel joy in your life may not change your circumstance, but it will change your outlook on life. Gospel joy in your life may not re- remove your hardships, but it will change your heart. And gospel joy in your life will not make your life easier, but it will give you your life power over paralyzing fear. So receive that. Receive that. Receive that gospel joy, the kind of joy that the angel is telling or the the kind of fear, get rid of it, that the angel is telling the shepherds not to carry. But with that, leads me to my second point, gospel joy is carried. Gospel joy is carried. Notice with me in verse 10, let's look back. It says that the angel brings, the angel brings the good news of great joy. Gospel joy is something you take with you everywhere you go if you truly have it. I like to think about it like a, a running back All right, a running back, he carries a football high and tight. You know what I mean? He's not supposed to let it go on the football field. He carries that with him everywhere he goes. Unfortunately, in many churches today, we find many people only having gospel joy or or what they think is gospel joy in certain areas or certain places in their life. You know, I I can have joy at church or for a student, I can have joy at, at the Christian school, Maybe when I go visit the pastor's house, maybe he'll give me some extra joy. But what about other places? What about when you're in the stands at the high school football game and the referee makes a not so great call? What about when you're waiting at the line at the post office or even worse, the DMV, right? What about when you're at home and the kids are driving you insane and tugging on your arm and saying, daddy, daddy, daddy. What about when you're in the car and someone has just gotten on the on-ramp and they wait to the very last moment to lean on or scoot on over into your lane? Gospel joy should be carried with us everywhere that we go. When I was getting that Super Nintendo when I was a kid, you know, I couldn't take it with me. I only had that happiness when I was there playing it and before, the, before I'd beaten the game. I know now you can take like Nintendo Switch everywhere with you, but that goes against my point, so I'm not going to talk about that. Um, But you see, I, I found happiness in a thing that I couldn't take with me everywhere. So often we find happiness in things or we find happiness in our circumstances. But then what happens when that thing is taken away from you or what happens when that circumstance changes? You are left with emptiness. You see, happiness is temporary and is always accompanied by emptiness. But joy, joy is eternal and is always accompanied by fulfillment. When you carry joy with you, People see it. People notice it. There's a man, his name was Billy Sunday. He was a baseball player in the late 1800s. And then he became um, one of the most uh, celebrated and influential American evangelists in the early 1900s. He said this about joy. If you have no joy, there is a leak in your Christianity somewhere. How do you feel about that this morning? Do you find yourself with a leak in your Christianity? Maybe carrying gospel joy for you is really hard right now. Sometimes you have it. Maybe when you come here to church, you have it. But it's not there at home. Certainly not there at work. For you students, it's, it's not there at school. If this is you... If this is you, then I would suggest this to you this morning. Drop what you are carrying. Just drop it. Drop all the worldly stuff. Drop your burdens, drop your hurts, drop your hangups. And when you do that, then you can carry joy. You can take it with you everywhere you go. And then your circumstance won't matter. Finally, the last thing we see here in verse 10 is as we unwrap this gift of joy, is that joy, gospel joy, it's comprehensive. Gospel joy is comprehensive. That means that gospel joy is for all people. Verse 10 is clear about this. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that the angel says this to the shepherds. He says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And this is, this is crazy. This is radical. This is transforming for those shepherds you know, the lowest of the low in their culture. We can have this gospel joy. We can know this Jesus, and then we can take it and completely change the entire world. Gospel joy is comprehensive. You see, when I was getting that gift, um, that Super Nintendo with my siblings when I was a boy, we were lucky, okay? Not everyone had access to get a Super Nintendo, okay? Not every family could afford a, a Super Nintendo, Not every family was quick enough to go get them before they sold out. People in other nations, they probably never even heard about such thing as a Super Nintendo. But gospel joy is available to all. It's available to all. Luke is clear about it here in this text. And he is clear when he says that the angel, when the angel tells the shepherds about this. It's also clear throughout the entire Bible, throughout the entire New Testament In Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, we see it here when Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And then in Acts chapter one, verse eight, we see Jesus again tell his disciples that you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. First Timothy chapter two, verse six, tells us that Jesus died as a ransom for all. Gospel joy is comprehensive, my friends. It's available to all. And I think that most of us, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ, most of us know this in our minds. But this morning, I would encourage you to let it open the eyes of your heart on that. Open the eyes of your heart. So who needs to hear about the gospel and receive this kind of joy? For you, is it a coworker? Is it a family member? Is it a loved one, a friend? Or is it someone maybe who's wronged you? Who needs to receive this comprehensive joy? To close out my message this morning, take you back one more time to December 25th, 1990. I can remember waking up with my siblings and us walking out into the living room and just the anticipation and the excitement that I had to see this gift wrapped up. And then after we opened it, just to be overwhelmed with happiness. I thought, man, this is going to last for decades. You know what I mean? You know, remember when you're a kid and that, that toy you think it's going to last forever? Over the next couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks at the most, the happiness that I had in that thing was gone. Left with emptiness. But thankfully, just a little over a year later, I remember it was on a Wednesday night, and Pastor John Thrasher was teaching what my parents had taught me all growing up. And he was talking about sin and how sin separates us from God. But because of Jesus Christ and Jesus being sent and his life, his work, his ministry, his death and his resurrection, because of the gospel I could have life forever and I could receive eternal joy. And on that Wednesday night I did just that as a 9-year-old boy. By grace through faith I was saved and I received gospel joy. This Christmas whether or not you're feeling happiness or emptiness? Could we look to Jesus, the author of joy? This Christmas, could we turn our eyes to our conqueror, the one who conquered death so that we might have life, the one who conquered sin so that we have no need to have paralyzing fear? Could we turn our eyes to the child that was born in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, the one who would carry the weight of the world on his shoulders, the one who would carry the sins of the world so that we might carry the joy of the world to those around us. And let us turn our eyes to our champion, the one who changed the course of history by coming to this earth to put on flesh, to live a perfect life and have no sin in him and be a ransom for all people. Can we turn our eyes to Jesus Christ and receive gospel joy?